If you have your Bibles for a little while this morning, let me take you to the book of Acts, chapter 27. And I'm going to pick up reading in verse number 21, Acts chapter 27. I think most of you that's been around here for any length of time are familiar with the 27th chapter of Acts. If you're not, you're going to become acquainted with it. But uh, it is an episode in the life of Paul on his way to Rome to declare the gospel. And it seemed like uh, everything that could was conspiring to stop him. But I like what it says in verse 21. It said, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, I like it when God speaks into our life. Amen. I, I love it when God speaks clearly into our life. And God spoke at the most opportune time. And he said, Paul, fear not. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheers, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. And everybody said amen. I have a long title this morning. I tried to condense it, but I couldn't find the right words. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about things to remember when life is at its worst. Amen. Things to remember when life is at its worst. Clap your hands to the Lord. And you may be seated. You'll have to pardon my sinus-sounding tone this morning. I think I'm battling the same junk that everybody else is. You know, sometimes in life, it seems like that the events of life conspire against us. That it seems that there is some kind of complicity that somewhere behind the curtain there is collusion, that there are elements, there are things that are coming into play that will try to derail our dreams, our hopes, our desires, our prayers, our life. And sometimes in the midst of those circumstances, we, we think, you know, if this had not happened, or if people had not done this, or they had listened to me, things would be different. 
And if we're not careful, I am very much aware that we can succumb to the natural fears and the natural doubts that a moment in life like that can bring. When everything around you is rocking and rolling and the winds are howling and there is no sun to shine, there are no encouraging signs. You know, I think most of us live life looking for a sign of hope. If we just get up in the morning and see a flower blooming, we we take that as an encouragement to us that everything might be going bad, but there's a sign of life right there. We all are looking for signs, evidence that God's heard our prayer. It's tough to keep living when God's silent. I don't know about you. Maybe you hear from God every day. Maybe you have a direct line to God. Maybe... Matter of fact, God may be talking to you more than just on a daily basis. But you're looking at one preacher that sometimes goes a long time between really hearing from God the way I feel like I need to hear from God. And sometimes when there's a silence and there is no evidence that God is doing anything, It's easy to succumb to the fears and the doubts that arise in such a moment. Questions that come about the future, our life, what's going to happen, how is this all going to turn out. It is important for me to tell you this morning that you must not judge life by just a small segment of life. The Bible says that we see through a glass darkly. That simply tells me that we will never see life in its totality. But we can, if we're not careful, we can get lost in a moment. We can get lost in a week. Or we can get lost in a month of life. Sometimes it's more than a day. It'd be great if we just had day trouble. Anybody have week trouble? Anybody have month trouble? Anybody have troubles that last a year, two years? Some of you are dealing with troubles that have lasted five and ten years. And you wonder in life, is there ever going to be an end to this? It's important to not judge your life by a small segment, however troubling that segment may be. However stormy, however rocky, however uncertain, it is important that you remember that there is a bigger picture. You may not see it, but God never loses sight of it. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise for that right now. Amen. And here in Acts 27 is the record of a great soul in a great crisis. It helps me when I read this passage to know that I am not the only man or only person that's had to go through extended periods of trouble in my life. It helps me to understand that however drawn out it might be, there are others that have been where I am right now. And it lets me know that even 
God's best, even God's chosen. And there was none more chosen than the Apostle Paul could go through some of the things that he had to go through and the tough times that he had to endure. And this story has a note of personal experience about it that you can't get away from. Because all of us have known what it is to be in a storm of some kind, and storms are never kind. They are never gentle. They, they never caress us. Storms buffet us. Storms slam us. Storms hit us. Storms hurt us. They disrupt life. They turn our normal world upside down. They displace us. They distress us. They disturb us. There's nothing about going through a storm that is really enjoyable. I, I remember the first time that we ever or I ever encountered a hurricane. I grew up in North Texas and we had tornadoes, but they came and went pretty quick. Now, they might destroy everything in sight in 30 seconds, but I've never been through a hurricane. And I remember that my wife and I, for some reason, our travels had brought us back to the Houston area, and there was a storm. I don't even remember what hurricane it was, but we decided that we were going to ride it out at my in-law's house. I thought it was cool. We were going to get to stay up all night and play games and eat popcorn didn't realize that halfway through the night or in mid-morning that electricity was going to go and then you just sit in the dark and hope that you thought ahead enough to put candles and things like that. And I, I'll never forget the kind of jittery atmosphere. It was, you know, we were going to have a great time. Family, uh, one of the brothers had come in and uh, come from uh, Texas City to the house and here we all were, all nice and cozy socked in for a, a little bit of a storm. And I will never forget as that lingered on and the winds just kept howling. You know the first two or three hours you just kind of laugh and slapping each other on the back and smiling and carrying on and joking. But after three or four hours of that that little slap on the back is what you do that for? Get out of my face. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's amazing that the, the longer you stay locked into that situation, the rawer your nerves become and the more sensitive you are. I mean, if people look at you crossways, even in the dark, you can tell it. What's wrong with you? What do you mean by that? And really the truth is they didn't mean anything by it. It's just the fact that storms have a way of doing that to us. And the longer they last, though some of you are wondering why your nerves are so frayed this morning. It's not because that you are mentally incapable of handling life. It's simply the fact that some of you have been going through a storm for a long, long time. And if you're not careful, you can get lost in that. And you can think that that's life, that that's all that life is ever going to be. And when things are out of control and when, when the winds are, are, are blowing and, the, and the, the world that you live in is rocky and everything around you is coming apart and nothing is where it's supposed to be in times like that, the only thing we really 
are concerned about is survival. If I can just make it through this. If somehow I can hang on. And so in that mindset, we begin to try to devise ways of getting out of this. You know, we, we, we're going to help God along with His plan. And so it's escape. And, you know, we'd like for life to get back to normal. And we'd like for life to go back to the way it was. And we'd, we'd really like to just run away and hide. Or we would like to be like the psalmist, just take our wings and fly away and be at rest. How many times have we wanted life just to get back to normal? Let me tell you something. You're not ever going to get back to normal. Normal has changed. Amen. You have to get used to a new kind of normal. And to me, this story is more than just about a fierce storm. It's more than about winds and more than about all of the other things it's more than about the ignorance of the experts and the ignoring of warning signs. To me, it's about a message that comes so clear to a man in the midst of his trouble. It was a message that God wanted to get through to Paul. And he gives him in the midst of the storm. And is that message to me that really matters. It doesn't matter that the ship's coming apart. It doesn't matter that they're going to lose the cargo. It doesn't matter all of the other efforts. What really matters to me is the message that God gets through to the Apostle Paul in a setting like that. And this is what God said to him in the midst of the storm. And it may not do anything for you, but it's already done many things for me. God simply said to Paul, Thou must stand before Caesar. Somebody say that with me. Thou must stand before Caesar. What do you mean, God? I mean that your destiny is not going to be determined by this storm that you're in. Your destiny has already been determined and decided by the hand of God. And my destiny is not decided by the dilemma that I'm in at the present moment. Somebody needs to understand that this morning. That your God-given eternal destiny is not wrapped up in what you're going through right now. And whatever your dilemma is, whatever your problem is, whatever your trouble is that you are engaged in right now that has your life so consumed, the Word of God to Paul was, don't lose sight of what really matters. What matters is my message to you. And that message is you must stand before Caesar. God has already got your destiny worked out. And no storm is going to stop you. Can you hear me this morning? Can you receive that word from God? God reminds the Apostle Paul that your life is determined by my word, not your circumstances. 
Amen. So you don't need to let circumstances determine your joy, your happiness, your peace. You don't let circumstances determine your worship. You know, you know, I'm not real smart, but I've lived long enough. I can pretty much tell when people are going through a hard time by just watching them worship. I'm going to act out some of the things I've seen. Everything's going good. Man, we're up on the front row. Check bounces. Because we have allowed our circumstances to circumvent something more important in our life than what we're going through, and that's God's plan for our life. Do you understand me this morning when I tell you that God has a plan for your life? And that plan is a good plan. It has a good end to it. It's not going to end up on some dead-end street, some alleyway where you're laid out on the side of the road. The destiny that God has for you has a purposeful conclusion to it all. And so... You know, I don't know, maybe it's just stupidity or whatever. Some people might view it, but I've made up my mind that when I come to church, I'm going to let my worship, let everybody know what I think of my God. Amen. And my worship is going to determine how good God has been to me. Not what I'm going through, not what I feel, not my hurt, not my pain, not my questions, not my doubts. My worship is predicated on His goodness and His mercy and His grace and His love and His glory. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. I thought about that song this morning, Show Us Your Glory. You could be, Show Us Your Glory. And that song was taken from the life of Moses when he was brought to the cleft of the rock and he made a request of God. And in Exodus, he said, Lord, shew me thy glory. And the answer that God gave him, I've often wondered why God responded to that until this morning and it was like God turned the light on and I understood but when he said show me your glory God didn't show him what he, whatever it was he was look, looking for I don't know what he conceived the glory of God was maybe it was some shining light maybe it was some glory that when he saw it it would just knock him to his knees I don't know but this is what God said to him in Exodus And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And when I read that, God said, if you want to know what my glory looks like, my glory looks a lot like my goodness. My glory looks a lot like my name. My glory looks a lot like my grace. So when you look around and you see my goodness and you look around and see my mercy, then you know that you are experiencing the glory of God. 
Hallelujah. Hey, just look around the building. You can see God's mercy everywhere. Ah, yes, 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 yes. God's mercy, God's graciousness. And when you see that, you're beholding the glory of God. There's nothing more glorious than grace. Amen. And there's some of us have had a lot of grace in our life. Amen. You know what I've convinced of? I think sometimes God has to have more grace for the saved than the sinner. And the reason I think that is because sometimes as saved people, we're hard to deal with. You know what? I I don't know, but it may just be me, but I've seen more spirit-filled people with attitudes than people that weren't spirit-filled having attitudes. And somehow I feel like sometimes God has to have more grace for us, not that He ought to, but to help us get past the idiosyncrasies and the, the little things that get in our craw. and it, it just eats away at us. Folks, listen to me. If you just open your eyes and look, you can see the goodness of God in your life. The fact that you are here right now, the fact that you were delayed five minutes on a journey saved your life. The fact that you turned right instead of left saved you from a tragic ending. The fact that when you should have gone ahead, you turned around and went backward. God spared your life. That in itself is nothing but the goodness of God and the glory of God is seen in His goodness to me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I witnessed a tragic accident across the street from the church yesterday. Just It happened so quickly. Car coming uh, eastbound on 528, lost control, went across the median and hit another car head on and then was pushed into a sign and literally, I mean, just bent that Lexus almost like a, a, a pair of scissors could be bent. And I thought, oh, my Lord, somebody's dead now. Somebody's hurt bad. And then I watched them as they started piling out of the vehicle. And needless to say, there were no serious injuries. There was a broken nose and a few cuts, but nobody died. And I thought, you know what, as tragic as that was, the fact is that that could have been any of our people. It could have happened at any time in our life. And how many times, over and over and over, has God's goodness stepped into our way and we didn't even recognize what God was doing for us at the moment. The fact that you made a business decision long ago it puts you where you are right now is nothing but the goodness of God. Amen. Show me your glory. God does show it every time His goodness is there. Every time we proclaim the name. Every time there's grace and mercy, we are seeing the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Don't let your trouble destroy your confidence in what God 
has called you to be and do. God reminded Paul that your destiny is not determined by your dilemma. Not only that, but God reminds Paul that my plans for your life trump whatever troubles or whatever problems you may be going through right now. My plans for your life trump your troubles. That's a good saying to memorize. God's plans trump life's troubles. God's plans trump life's pain. Whatever that is that you're going through right now, and I'm not trying to make light of whatever it is you're enduring, but I am here to tell you that no matter how painful it is, God's plan for your life trumps whatever pain you're having to go through at this present moment. He reminds him that his life is not left to random fate. This is not how your story is going to end. The collision of circumstances. I read this morning and I really thought I was going to preach about it when I first read it because it just got a hold of me. And when things like that get a hold of me, I want to share it. But I was reading in Luke chapter 22 this morning early and I came across this verse. And it's found in chapter 22, verse 37, but you've got to put it in the context. These are the last hours that the Lord's spending with His disciples. It's getting the upper room, all of the events of that time frame are getting ready to come to pass. He's trying to give them a glimpse of the future. He tells Simon Peter, you're going to be tempted, you're going to be tried. Satan is going to sift you as wheat. But I pray for you that your faith fail not. And then he goes on and makes some other statements about the coming kingdom and their preparation. And then in verse 37 he says this, For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, Isaiah prophecy about him. But this last part is not in that prophecy. This last part is Jesus' comment about his future and his destiny. And he said, for the things concerning me have an end. They have a purpose. They have a plan. They're not circumstances that are out of control. They are not random fate. They're not what some scientists would like for you to think, that you're just a collision of molecules and you just came into being by some freak thing that happened billions of years ago. But you are truly designed and orchestrated by God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And anything that God would fearfully and wonderfully make, He would surely fearfully and wonderfully keep. And He said, for the things concerning me have an end. What an attitude. What a spirit. What a way to face life's worst. What a way to go into the storm that's right before you. That the things concerning me have an end, and this is not the end. 
Pilate is not going to decide my destiny. Roman soldiers are not going to determine my end. The Jewish haters are not going to decide where my life ends. My life is in the hands of something greater than that. And that is the purpose and the plan of Almighty God. For the things concerning me. I wish you would say that with me right now. Say it. For the things concerning me. Now, make it personal. For the things concerning me, the stuff going on in your life, the troubles, the pain, the storm, all the family stuff you're dealing with, for the things concerning me have an end. They are not just random fate, and you are not the victim of circumstances, but they have an end. There is a purpose. There is a conclusion to it all. There are things that God has written about you that must be fulfilled. When God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, I don't think God just said, Mark Hughes. Next, Jay Hilton. I think he said, Mark Hughes. He's going to come from a poor family. He's going to learn what it is to appreciate life. Blah, 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 blah. And he writes my story. And he wrote your story. And it came to a good end. It comes to a conclusion. You say, Brother Hughes, does that mean that I can do whatever I want to do? Oh, no, hang on. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. Absolutely not. No more than Paul could do whatever he wanted to do and be saved. There was an explicit message that God gave him. Paul, you're safe as long as you stay with the ship. So don't get any ideas of abandoning this and finding something better. There's not a better ship on the sea right now. Yeah. There's not a better ship on the sea, so you might as well stay with what you've got. Number two... Don't fight with the people that are on the same ship you are. I'm going to get real personal right now. You know what I've learned? You don't have time to rock the boat when you're busy rowing. And if some of us would get busy trying to make it, and quit whining and crying about what's not right. You know what? There's a lot about life that's not right. And maybe one day God will explain that. I don't think He's going to need to because when you get to heaven, it won't matter what you went through to get there. The fact that you got there is all that's going to matter. But there are things that God has written about you that must come to pass. But they're not going to come to pass unless you listen to what he says and you hear the word of the Lord. And what did the, what did the Lord say? He said, you must stand before Caesar. There are some musts in life. Number two, don't fight the people who are in the mess with you. They're not your enemy. And there is a difference that faith can make in your life. And most of all, 
Don't be guilty or don't be tempted of trying to produce your own salvation in the midst of your trouble. What do you mean? I mean that in the midst of that storm, there were some men on that ship that realized there were some smaller boats that might have a better chance of escaping. And so the Bible says that they lowered those boats over the side thinking to escape and get away to land and save themselves. But God said the only people that are going to be saved are those that stay with the ship. And there may not be a lot of it left over at the end, but whatever's left over will be enough to get you there. It may not look like it was when you first started. It may not look like it was when you began the journey. But if you'll stay with God's Word and you'll stay true to God's Word, God will get you through whatever it is that you're going through. And don't be tempted to try and produce your own salvation. Because you'll wind up just like Abraham, creating a problem that will haunt you to the very end. Amen. God didn't call you so you would fall at the end. He didn't call you so that you would wind up a flop and a failure. God called you to stand before His throne. And so Paul is spoken to in the midst of his trouble and said, Paul, this storm is not going to determine your destiny. Your troubles are not going to determine your end. Amen. God's plan for your life trumps all of the garbage that you're going through right now. Now, I don't know, but somebody in this building needs to reach out and grab hold of that, and you need to get it so tight to you that nothing can pry it out of your hand because that's the only thing that's going to help you from losing your mind in the time of trouble is that God's plan for my life trumps all of the trouble that I'm going through right now. Come on, stand to your feet and praise Him with me right now. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, lift up your voice right now, church. Amen. Somebody show some life in this building today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I know your hand rests upon this place today. Yet upon this place today, thou must stand before Caesar. Amen. There is no storm that's going to stop you. There is no dilemma that's going to delay God's plan for your life. Amen. Quit being fearful. <clears throat> Quit being afraid. Lift up your voice and praise Him. Lift up your voice and worship Him. Lift up your voice and honor Him. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. I love an old song we used to sing when I was growing up. Call hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. I love the first verse. Life is filled with swift transition. My Lord, 
Whoever wrote that must have had some kind of knowledge of what life could do to you. And so out of curiosity, I googled. Anybody know who wrote Hold of God's Unchanging Hand? Her name is Jeannie Wilson, I think. Jeannie Wilson. I believe Wilson's her last name. 1932. Anybody know anything about her life? Wrote over 3,000 songs that are sang in churches. But when she was four years old, she had a spinal difficulty that put her in a wheelchair, and she was there the rest of her life. And yet when I went down that list of 3,000 songs this morning, looking at all the songs, I didn't see any song in there that said, Woe is me. I didn't see any titles that said, Poor Little Jenny. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold. 